0: Happy Wednesday, everybody. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, lead wealth coach up here at TWA. I hope y'all are having a fantastic week. As always, we're going to start off with a quote by Albert Einstein, which is, Measure of intelligence is the ability to change. And that change is intended to be the change that you truly want. And we've got every single person on this planet with maybe a handful of people literally Out of the over 8 billion people on this planet at this point that may not have that particular brain activity, but for the 7.9 billion of the rest of us we do, we have this part of our brain that even wants to resist change that we know is for the better. We've seen this change working well for people. We see it in celebrities we admire. We see it in friends that we admire, our parents... And we, for some reason, there's just something blocking us, which is why when I, when I review a lot of the motivational material I consider, and there's that the cynical, super analytical, critical part of me that questions like, why is this such a phenomenon, the motivational speaking industry? Like, why is it that it's such a thing to begin with and it's almost like isn't that just kind of a racket in of itself it's like isn't there isn't that really not what people need is motivation they need something else but it's it's when you start talking to people and you talk to yourself in certain ways you shut off possibilities from the get-go and it ends up being a matter of your attitude and how you're approaching things. And this is where a whole lot of politics comes into play for sure. And there's a lot of people that have come off, started off from a better position than I have, a lot worse positions than I have. But whenever people get it into their heads that they're stuck in the position that they're in, It doesn't add up because you're changing whether you like it or not. You're not going to be in the same position you're in whether you like it or not. That's not possible. It doesn't matter if you are as wealthy as that celebrity you admire, as famous as that person that you admire. You're not going to be that way forever. Nobody is. That's not how this works. And somebody who's on the opposite spectrum, you know, If you're in the worst of the worst situation, well, that's not something that's going to last forever either, because if you're in a position where you're going to cause harm to yourself or you're going to get yourself killed, then that's the way it's going to end. Nothing lasts forever, and change is happening constantly, so... I believe Einstein's argument is the acknowledgement of change as a fixed facet of human existence, which is a kind of ironic way to refer to it because change means things are not fixed, but change itself is the only thing that is. So we're going to be facing change no matter what, and we're trying to strive for the better change, and not try do it, to figure out what it is that's going to be different literally today that pulls away from the force that is making you do the same thing that you you did yesterday. So let's say, for example, you have a habit that you don't like. Let's make it a very simple thing of Let's say it's doing dishes or not doing dishes. Let's say you hate coming home to a sink full of dishes because you didn't do them before you left for work or after dinner last night, you just didn't feel like doing them. So now that you've got these dishes here today, you're going to have to clean them up. And now you have an opportunity to do something different. Because if you're saying that you don't like this, then you can't do the same thing and get that same result because you're going to be unhappy with it. But the force in your body is automatically, it doesn't mean this is a bad force by itself, but there's this force that is pushing you to do what you did yesterday, which is not do the dishes again after dinner tonight. So they're just going to sit in the sink You're back to the same exact position as yesterday, but a day older. So now you're a day older, but you still haven't wised up to fixing this problem. So as time goes on, you end up having less and less of an excuse because you're supposed to be more mature. You're supposed to be more wise and experienced. But you're still doing the same crap you might have been doing ever since you were a kid or a teen and... Teenager or started college or were a young adult. You don't have the same body you did when you had that. I don't. You don't. Nobody does. But you're supposed to be getting better at every step of the way. Because that change, the way our bodies age and transform, that's a change whether you like it or not. So with that in mind, we want to not just say, oh, getting old sucks. I don't embrace that assessment because I think that is very, very pessimistic. I think it does not acknowledge some of the realities about the opportunity we have in life in general. That's kind of, to me, a a slap in the face to existing in the first place. It's like, okay, I suppose if I had a switch I could turn it off, but I can't. So I'm not going to focus on that. I'm not going to focus my energy on something that I can't control. So I'm not going to be focusing negative energy on something that I can con- that I can't control. It's a process. It's going to happen. It's happening to everybody. So what is the positivity we can get out of that instead of just saying, getting old sucks and having that be a period blanket statement? We have to approach it in a positive way because a positive attitude is what makes you take positive action, not a negative focus. So this is just something that's so funny with that because the dish thing, maybe this is something that you deal with too, but it's to me... It's so obnoxious and it's such a small thing that it seems like, even though I haven't gotten completely consistent about it, I know that I can. But some days I still get that drag. I still get pushed to not do this change. So I keep reminding myself, what am I going to feel tomorrow if I don't do this action? And what am I going to feel tomorrow if I do this activity and do this action? There's a very, very big difference between how you're going to feel tomorrow if you do or do not take action. And focus on that difference when you decide to make a decision to do or not do something. We'll be right back after the break, folks. I'm your host, Trevor Davis with the TWA Radio Show.
1: When you put money in the bank or pay your insurance premium, they take that money and go buy real estate with it. Why? Because it gives the highest rate of return and is the lowest risk. This is called passive investing. Due to some recent changes in the laws, you can now invest the exact same way. Total Wealth Academy can show you how. Visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend our free sample class on real estate investing. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com. Thank you.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. So to always focus on change at the beginning of this show, I mean, that's what the show and any show like it is really all about. And when I look back at the Tony Robbins event and I think about what was the point of all that, you know, the point is to make a change in something. And it doesn't mean you have to be a Robbins acolyte. It doesn't mean that you have to believe that jumping up and down Every morning, like, crazy is what you have to do every single day. I mean, we're all different. I I don't think that that's what every single person should do or definitely wants to do. But they're talking about a peak state at Tony Robbins. And that peak state is, you know, it's going to be connected to some certain brain activities. And I'm reading this book called Learn to Remember by... Dominic O'Brien, who is one of the world memory champions um, capable of memorizing uh, the sequence of an entire deck of cards, um, 52 cards shuffled at random in less than five minutes. Um, Incredible, incredible feats of memory. And we're looking at cultivating our peak states, and that comes from attitude and I think what that really comes down to as well is that when people are skeptical of motivation, I mean, well, how do you expect to do something that matters if you are in a crappy state of mind? You know, if you're the person like everybody knows a Debbie or a Daryl Downer, and that's not to say anything against the Debbies and Daryls out there, but this is just a saying. You know, we've got the Daryls out there. And the Debbie Downers that are always just saying, you know, negative stuff like, oh, hey, it's a really beautiful day out. Yeah, but I think a storm's about to come through and it's about to rain and it's going to be a real mess. Like, okay, well, I just had a great lunch. I just tried this really nice vegetarian place. Oh, vegetarians like they think they're so much better than everybody. God, don't they know what about they care about animal welfare, but what about the people that cultivate the vegetables in the first place? You know, so on and so forth. It's like there's no winning with certain people. You bring something up positive, and they just have something negative to say. And you've probably noticed that they're not the people that have the relaxed expressions on their faces. They're not the people that have the happy expressions on their faces. And they're not the people that are getting the results that you want. And there are some notable exceptions amongst celebrities because they talk about this during Tony Robbins as well. And it's a very, very, you know, it's very much a flipping of the script. Um, And I saw this morning a video of Linkin Park performing in the New York subway. And Chester, the lead singer, was there doing his thing. And it's just so heartbreaking to think that that man with literally some of the biggest success of all time as a band... I mean, to have a huge contract with Disney, to be in the Transformers movies, to speak to a whole generation of kids, and that was literally the biggest band for people in my high school was Linkin Park. And un- unbelievably, this man takes his own life. So there are some exceptions to that, and obviously saying Focusing on celebrities in a certain type of way has its limits, but we know that people are dealing with a lot of different things at all different stages, so we have to keep in mind that for the most part, though, these people are having a very, very different approach to their success. So when something as extreme as that happens, they've still got this very different attitude to success and how they believe that their message, message can be sent out. Like, what is it that you're radiating off of your body, through your posture, through your expression, through your words, through your demeanor? Like, what is that saying about the world at large? Are you somebody that has become completely jaded, by negative experiences and has used that to define every interaction from that point forward because there are tons of people like that who have had a certain combination of bad experiences and they use that to color every single part of their life ever ever, from then on permanently. So they're not really getting over these issues So, as it turns out, these people are the ones that are getting addicted to drugs. They're displaying addictive behaviors. They're the ones that are stressed out. They don't have an attitude that allows them to make rational decisions, even to finances. So, yes, I think motivation is incredibly important because talking to people and then you start to hear some of the things that they they believe and pieces start falling into place, for lack of a better term. Because someone that is saying, you know, people are bad, people suck, this is the way it is, oh, man. One of one of my pet peeve statements, and that's the way it has to be, is it is what it is. When people just say that as just a shoulder shrug, flip your hands up, shrug and do a whole lot of nothing about it attitude like it sounds wise at face value but I've I have not heard it said by people that have achieved the meaningful success that I'm looking for I have heard it from people that are clearly not content with their position they've They've got some problems in some more severe scenarios, and they're saying that because they've given up. It is what it is. Okay. Fine. But as an intelligent human being with a brain, what are you going to do? You're going to do stuff anyway. It is what it is. But what are you going to do different? If this is the way some people act, It is what it is. What are you going to do different? Are you just going to do what they do? Get your head on straight. Don't do that crap. So don't be a victim to the constant that exists already, the status quo. They call people crazy for doing different things in the past, and we know the extreme examples of people that got burned at the stake or got house arrested like Galileo for saying that the earth revolved around the sun and not the other way around. Those are pretty extreme examples. But there are examples like that for you, I would argue, on a daily basis, where you're kind of just trying to toe the line to your own brain. You're trying to toe the line to the people that you know, your friends, your family, your coworkers. You're kind of saying it is what it is. Whether you really say it out loud or not. Like, oh, I'm only making this much money every year. It is what it is. Again, that's not a statement that says I'm empowering myself because that's the situation we're in now. What am I going to do about it to make it different? Or I'm not in a good relationship. It is what it is. Okay, but you don't have to stay in that relationship. You don't like your job. It is what it is. Well, you can figure out a new employment situation. Indeed is a website that's got tons of postings right now. So, I don't like that statement. I think it's a very passive statement. And for the macho guys out there, dude, if you're saying that and you want me to respect you as a man... It ends when you say that. I think that is the most unmanly thing a man can say. It is what it is. No. Step up, be a man, and take action and make change when it's your responsibility to do so. Be a leader, not an excuse-making baby. So let's talk about somebody who had a bunch of excuses. This was at Tony Robbins, and I want to I review this one because I want to go over something that's been a big change in my life recently, and this is really because out of all the speakers, this one had the most impact on me at the event, and it's a guy about my age, maybe a little bit older, um, so early 30s, and his name is Nick Santanasso. And Nick Santanasso is a motivational speaker that is an international motivational speaker, and he talks to people all about his life and the way that he motivates himself. The first thing you're going to know about Nick San- see about Nick Santonasso is that he has no legs. And he only has one arm. And his left arm has a hand that basically only has two fingers. So, Nick Santanasso comes out to the stage. And he's walking as he can by basically lifting himself up with his arm and then moving his torso forward. And... When you're born without um, legs, an arm, and one arm that's not really very functional with a hand that doesn't really work, what would most people do in this situation? Because you start going to school and seeing everybody that has arms and legs, they can walk around just fine. Do normal things. Be normal kids. What is the normal person going to do in this situation? We're definitely going to get into details about Nick Santanasa once we get back with the halfway point. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. Stay tuned to the TWA radio show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Total Wealth Academy Radio Show. We just started talking about Nick Santonastasso, and that, thats the correct way to pronounce his name, Nick Santonastasso, which is S A N T O N A S T A S S O. And as mentioned, this was a this was a boy who was born with no right arm, just a stub, and no legs. And this is specifically because he was born with what's called Hanhart syndrome, which effectively, they don't know the cause for it yet, as far as I'm aware, but it causes infants to have undeveloped limbs and organs. And he was one of the 12 people in the world at the time he was born that had been identified as having this, and he was given a 30% chance of living. And the fortunate thing, as it turned out, was that even though he didn't have legs, he didn't have this right arm and an undeveloped, underdeveloped left arm, his organs are all completely normal and completely healthy. So his parents made the decision to have him. And not to open up this can of worms, but they considered... Not having him, but they decided to do so. And Nick was born, and as he developed into a teenager, he dealt with a lot of very understandable security issues about his vision of himself and his vision of the world. Like he said, why would God put me into this world without this body the way it's supposed to be? Like, why am I in this body? Like, why was I given this? So, Nick ended up trying a sport in high school. And he can't run, so most are out as options. You know, basketball, soccer, football, not options. But wrestling was basically the only thing that the coaches could figure for him. So, he literally decides to do wrestling. And he's getting his butt whooped, which probably isn't much of a surprise to most people, but he gets his butt whooped, but he doesn't quit. He is enjoying wrestling. But a problem occurs because his right arm, which is the stub, has basically like half of the bone down the arm, and it's actually creating a lot of discomfort and a lot of issues for him while he wrestles because it's a very, very awkward amount of arm to have during these um, challenges. So they go to the doctors, and the doctors effectively say, there's really only one good option, and that is to remove almost the entire right arm, this sort of halfway down of the bicep arm. That's not really doing anything. You can't do a whole lot with it. So, Nick has a choice. You know, are you going to continue down this path that you're on already, which is to have this sport that you're enjoying be very, very uncomfortable for you, and there's this way to make it way better for you, and probably make your situation better in the long run because it's probably just going to cause problems at some time, that's... Those two, those two different options. Do you pick this surgery or do you not pick this surgery? Nick decides to get this surgery and literally, despite being born with this arm this way and possibly seeing it as, you know, his closest sense to normalcy, like it's part of an arm, he decides to lop it off. And now it's basically just a shoulder stub. But now Nick is able to wrestle comfortably. Does he still get bodied at the wrestling contests? Yes, in general. But he actually ends up winning several matches after that surgery, after he recovered. It was not 0 to 100. I want to say it was like 6 to 94, something like that. Like, when you hear that ratio, you know, who's going to keep doing that? Who would keep on doing something that they're failing at so egregiously? Well, one of those people is Nick Santoninasso. So, what he was really seeing during these contests is that a lot of people were coming out to just watch him do what he was doing. There were all these people that were coming out just to watch him wrestle because they were seeing it as an inspiring sight. Because that's exactly what it is. To see somebody go through, I mean, one of the most unfair hands you could have been dealt with at birth. You know, we're not talking about income at this point. We're talking about your whole body. Like, you don't have legs. Like, just, you're born that way. Like, I think we can all agree that that's one of the more most unfortunate situations that you can be put in. But these people are coming out and they're seeing him as this inspiration. And once we see inspirations, there's a bunch of different ways we can translate that to ourselves. Because this was by no means just people with physical disabilities. This was all sorts of different people. Tons of people were coming out and his wrestling Matches were some of the—were the highest attended in his area's history, as I understood. So you have all these people coming out, and you're seeing that you're making a difference by simply showing people that you can give the proverbial, I don't give a crap— to the hand that you're dealt. Because you can laugh in its face and you can do something that nobody expects, which is usually just doing the stuff that you want to do in the first place and not getting caught up in what other people think about you or get caught up in focusing on the situation that you were born in, however you regard it. I think a lot of people don't know Because we talk about income a lot and that's really where the political discussion goes because there's the contest between the haves and the have-nots as always in human history. And as I talk about it, there's really – the main classes are the lower income, the middle income, and the high income. Or as a lot of people say, there's the ultra-rich as always and then there's everybody else. So people even at the highest income levels will – there's people that say that they have it unlucky. Like, their parents didn't pay attention to them. They didn't have the interactions that they wanted. They wished that they hadn't even been born in well sometimes. You know, we hear a lot about the other side, but there's people that are, you know, getting it into their heads that they're unfortunate no matter what situation they're in. So it is a very different assessment for someone like Nick to have Hanhart syndrome to pursue something that really seemed like he was failing at that ended up being something that could inspire so many other people to go out to that wrestling match and see somebody in that position approaching it full on, not making himself a pity party, not making this to where, oh, you know, send me money on Cash App. This is something that I need, and I'm just trying to do my best. No, he's literally just doing it because this is what he wants to do, and he's he's just being a normal kid. So that challenge is definitely something that is incredible to have overcome, especially as a child, as a teenager. And he likes to talk about how he talks about a bunch of things. And it was very, very hard for me to write down notes during this one um, because the speakers on like in general on the fourth day were just so amazing. But he talks about this law of exposure and there were multiple laws that he was talking about and I didn't get them all down um, because I, I was just, I, I couldn't look at my in my notebook. It was, it was not, it wasn't really an option for me. I wanted, to, I wanted to look at him. I wanted to see him. I wanted to listen. I didn't want to have my head down but he talks about the fact that low-energy people cannot attract high opportunities. So when we're talking about negative focus and negative attitude, but these people are still basic, they're, they're taking the gambler's approach to their entire lives. I think that's what most people are ultimately doing. Because most people are kind of coasting along in the quiet desperation we talk about, which comes from the Pink Floyd song, which is they were making fun of what they saw as the typical British person's attitude to going along with life, you know, just kind of keep your head down, be a part of the machine, God save the queen, have some kids, drink some beer in the pub and then die. So, to reject that quiet desperation of hoping that someday you're going to win the lottery or, or something else or, you know, so, hoping you're going to get an inheritance when your parents pass away or whatever it is. You know, having this low energy state is not going to be attracting the people that built up high energy and created the success that you say you want. And the fact of the matter is. That makes sense. They don't want to be dragged down. They don't want to be associated with that energy. They're trying to maintain their energy. And as we talked about with, some, with one distinct example from celebrities, and there are multiple examples of people that have not been completely happy with full stardom, top-tier stardom, you know, sometimes we need a little bit of help. And this income certainly helps a lot of things, but it doesn't fix everything. But it's very hard to maintain even when we get to that point because there's a lot of stuff that tries to drag us down. We're not going to be completely cheery every single day even if we're making billion dollars or we're the head of one of the most well-regarded and biggest-selling bands of all time. That's not how humans work. Everybody needs a little help every now and then. But we cannot expect to attract the help that we want if we're not going to cultivate the right attitude. As the saying goes, if we're not showing that we're helping ourselves, other people aren't going to want to help us that much. You have to prove that you can help yourself first before someone's really even going to throw you a life safety ring as as that saying goes as well. Then he says specific experiences create specific beliefs. He said that he felt cursed for the way that he was born. So he had bullying experiences as a very small child, people that made fun of him for the way that he looked, people that were scared of the way he looked. So he didn't just feel like he was, you know, ugly or something like that or weird, like he felt like he was straight-up cursed, like God had cursed him to this existence, like he had done something in a past life that made him deserve this type of life. So, folks, we're going to keep going over Nick Santanasso once we get back from the break. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. We'll be at the final segment after the break. We'll also do the stock market update, as always, as well. Y'all stay tuned, and I'll see y'all after the break.
1: AM seven
0: hundred KSEV. Welcome back, everybody, to the final segment of the TWA radio show. Still going over Nick Santona Stasso's um, really, really engaging and really inspiring life story. I mean, no, no doubt about that in my mind. So let's let's go ahead and do our obligatory stock update. So, you know. You get a little stock blurb before my show starts, um, but I'm I'm gonna say that this is the first across the board downturn um, since the beginning of the year. So I I, I don't know I don't I don't want to read too much into that, but um, Dow Jones. Its total year-to-date is now down to 6.54. So with 2022's losses, it's still at a negative 2.24. S&P 500 is down to 18.32. So with 2022, they're at a gain of just 0.21. So not even a quarter of a percentage point. And then Nasdaq is at dropped to 39.61 year to date, so combined with last year, their gain is now reduced to just 6.64, which is still right in the standard range of the stock market. So we've been talking about each time how NASDAQ's been going up this year, but the rate of return that's the average for stock investors over the last 78 years since 1945, the end of World War II... So that's the epoch that we're in, which is the after World War II era, um, and maybe we can have a better term for that, to not just contextualize um, human epochs because of freaking global disasters and global wars, but it's been 78 years, and it's been 6 to 7% once average inflation is accounted for. So... With that earning, you know, we're going to have to shave off the three that inflation is back down to, thank goodness. So Dow Jones is still very negative. That's negative 5.24. Then S&P is going to be negative 279. And then Nasdaq's going to be just a 3.64. So for the people that are still invested in the NASDAQ from 2022 and previously, which is most investors and most stock investors... They're still not making significant returns, to say the least. So, again, this is the first time this year that I've seen all three go down at once. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm looking across my numbers that I've been doing since January, and it's been going up, up some. Like one went down one time, and the other two went up. So this is the first time they've all gone down. Um, and it's a pretty significant drop. I mean, it's almost, it's over four for the NASDAQ, um, just right at two for S and P and Dow Jones percentage wise. You know, I'm not looking at the, the score value. I'm looking at the percentage, which is calculating that from its, you know, point system to show you like, what is your rate of return? So. I I don't know I don't want to I don't want to say too much about that but I I guess I'm just getting a bad feeling about that right at this moment um, when I saw and when I saw that so just make sure that you're being responsible with your investments right now um, because those people that decided to gamble in stocks and purchase a bunch of NASDAQ stocks. That uh, the beginning of the year are probably happy again. That's still a scattershot stock index. There's still plenty of stocks in Nasdaq that went down. You know, and let's say they they made that 43.68. Well, four percent of that just went away. Is this going to be a downturn? Or for the next couple of months, or at least you know what? Maybe it's just a week. You know, whatever. But just be careful. Um, please review your stocks if you have them. And as we advocate, of course, you really need to get some real estate. You need to get some. We don't tell you to nuke your stock portfolio. Um, for some people, I still say you should. There's certain situations where I have said you really should get out of that and you should bite the bullet and just pay the taxes and get all of your money back into your control and get it out of the hands of Wall Street or whatever company is getting the most benefit out of your own, your money, the money that you worked for. Cause when you lose money in the stock market, that money doesn't disappear. Like, I don't think a lot of people really, I don't think most people understand that that money is just being made by somebody else, like that owns the company. So don't screw yourself over and make somebody else rich. Make yourself rich first. And then knock yourself out and make some other people rich. But the stock market is overwhelmingly not making middle-class Americans rich. It's making the people that own the companies rich. And the companies that operate your 401k rich. So, back to Nick. And he was talking about how the specific experiences create specific beliefs. And I was talking about that at the beginning of the show. You know, when people treat some sort of life experience and use that to jade them for the rest of their lives. The A normal reaction to Nick's birth, like a normal person in that scenario, or the average reaction, not a normal person, because he's a normal person. We, we all ultimately are. But if he's going to be looking at that, well, again, I would say 99.99% of us. But anyhow. A lot of people in that scenario are not going to do what he did. They would have become extremely depressed. They probably would have used that as an, an excuse and a reasonable one in this scenario that most people would have been, you know, low-key agreeing with to not do a whole lot of nothing. You know, what are you going to do? Like, go up to the guy who doesn't have an arm and doesn't have legs and tell him to stop being lazy? Like that's going to be a pretty hard thing to approach. So I think he probably could have gotten away with that pretty easily. You know, probably could have gotten his life paid for by his parents or social security or something. But that's not what he chose. He chose a very, very different path than what most people expected to go do something to get the rest of his right arm chopped off. To still suck at it, but wind up being an inspiration to people that sometimes just need a little bit of help. That sometimes just need to see that if this person can do something like that, what exactly is my excuse? Because everybody's got, there's a couple things that are guaranteed for people. And I think excuses are one of them. Because everybody's got excuses. But if I can look at somebody for myself and say, I've got freaking legs. I've got freaking arms. If this guy can do this, what is my excuse for not doing the things that I want to do? I don't want to wrestle. There are different things that I want to do. So, one of the things that I want to do, as most people here, you know, listening to me right now, know, is that I want to make beer. I want to own a brewery. And I use real estate as the primary financial avenue to pursue the finances I need to buy my own brewery by myself and achieve my other financial goals. But, brewery by itself, isn't the cheapest thing in the world. Ultimately, it's a lot less expensive than most people think. But I want to be able to do that all by myself without having a bunch of people breathing down my necks and about without a bunch of people breathing down my necks about the recipes. Because as I say, I don't want to have to tear someone's head off about changing a recipe. It's not going to happen. No investor that wants to join up with me is going to be arguing with me about my recipes. It's not going to happen. You're going to try... And then you're going to be promptly and rightfully ignored. So anyhow, what I've been pursuing recently is guitar playing. And let's talk about something that was extremely scary to do now two months ago. Was to perform live on the electric guitar with my friend on the drums. Literally, that was was single-handedly the most terrifying thing to me. To... Having practiced for, I mean, literally, I played guitar for 15 years of my life. It's been a long time, but I've really started dedicating myself to it, especially over the last two years, to be like, hey, this is something that I think about all the time, so let me actually make something happen. Then I was finally able to do it, and last night I performed again using a song that we practiced, so... Nick was my biggest inspiration. If you want to look him up, please do so, but what is your excuse? If you've got excuses, remind yourself of what Nick's excuse could have been. I'll be back next Wednesday, folks. I'm Trevor Davis, your host, and I will see y'all next Wednesday